feel so blessed to be up here. Um, I actually had some time to look over this, and I must say that it was uh, very moving. Uh, I've heard this passage of Scripture more than one time, um, but for some reason this sat a lot differently. Um, so whoever is giving the word this morning, <laughs> you've been prayed for this morning. <laughs> so hear the word of the Lord from Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one Pharisee and one the tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I told you I'm country. See, I told you I'm country. I can yell at you if you need me to. (laughs) Listen, it is such a privilege to be here with you guys today. For those who don't know me, my name is Pastor Jerrion Wilson. Everybody calls me Jay Will. I'm the planting pastor of a young church plant called City of Refuge in the Columbia area, the Eau Claire community of Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, We are a young church that simply are trying to call all to Jesus, connect as a greater family live commissioned as kingdom citizens. Uh, It's such a beautiful thing to be here and hear you guys sing today and just confess God's truth. Uh, For for those who haven't met me yet, we family, I want y'all to know that. I've been a part of this church for about three, four years, not an actual part, but y'all have been praying for our church plant. Y'all have been caring for me as a pastor, even before City of Refuge was planted two years ago. And your pastor, Will Broadus, is one of the dearest brothers I have. This brother has pastored me. He has called me and checked in on me and helped me walk through various situations because our church are so similar and so kindred in spirit. So I love you guys. I'm so thankful to be here with y'all today. And if you want to know more about our church, um, let's talk after service. But I'm so excited to get to God's word and just help us to turn our eyes upon him. So as we prepare to turn our eyes on him, can you join me in prayer for a moment just to prepare our hearts so that he will draw us up to him? Father, How thankful we are that we can come here today and praise your name. That you are a wonderful king who continues to beckon us to yourself. You call the weary, the broken, the downtrodden to yourself 
to find refuge. You call the poor rich, and you call the rich to humble themselves because you are a good Savior that we could put our hope in. I pray today as I stand to declare your word that you would speak through me from on high today, that your spirit would have its way in this place, that I will hide behind the throne of your grace, and you would speak to your people and make yourself more beautiful. So, Lord, we put our trust in you, we put our hope in you, and we call you our God today. We lift all these things up to you, in your son Jesus' name, amen. Our sermon today is called A Cautionary Tale on Trust. Once upon a time not long ago when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, when laws were stern and justice stood, uh, people were behaving like they all was good. They lived a little boy who was, mis- who was all misled. He buy another little boy, and this is what he said, me and Utah, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making a dash. They did the job. Money came with ease, but one couldn't stop. It's like he had a disease. He robbed another and another and a sister and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DT undercover. This song... Children's Story, a famous hit by Slick Rick, it plays as a cautionary tale. This cautionary tale is about a young 17-year-old boy who lived, as he said, a madman's dream, who made choices that would sadly result in him being shot and killed by a cop by the end of the song. It was all about the choice that he made and where he put his hope and his trust. And Slick Rick famously ends this song by saying, don't laugh, don't dare laugh, but you should, pick, you should choose the straight and narrow or your soul gets cast. It's all about where are you putting your trust and what choices are you making? You see, a cautionary tale is a story or experience or situation that serves as both a warning for the listener and the one who's putting it out. Family, today we are also about to take a moment to look at a cautionary tale. A cautionary tale that doesn't end necessarily with death, but ends with a man trusting wrongfully in his own hands, where another man trusted in a better hand and someone who is greater than him. Today, our parable is is, is interesting and strategically placed in between two other, uh, first a parable about a persistent widow who continuously went to this judge and prayed and didn't lose hope. And Jesus said, this is an example of what it looks like to trust and hope in a God who would deliver and show up and show you that he's good. But then just a few verses later, in verses 18 through 23, we're introduced to a narrative of a young, rich ruler who comes to Jesus and asks, what must he do to to earn eternal life? When Jesus told him to sell all that he had and follow him, he was left disappointed. Not disappointed because he didn't get the answer, but disappointed because he trusted more in what Jesus had and more in what he had than what Jesus had to offer. I don't think that it's a coincidence that this text lands strategically between these two teachings of Jesus, but that this is actually the anchor to give us a cautionary tale on where is our trust today. Are we trusting in God, the one who would justify us? Are we trusting in our efforts 
in our hands? Are we trying to say that, God, we know you're good, but I can do better? Or that God is good, and he has done the best that he can? So just to help you out, I just want you to leave with two points from this text today, where we place our trust defines how we view worthiness, and secondly, humble yourselves and ourselves and trust in the one who is merciful. Jesus starts off, and the, the writer Luke, he starts off telling us exactly what this parable is about in verses 9. In verse 9, he said, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. And as he gets into the parable, he starts it off uh, kind of like a bad joke. Two men went up to the temple to pray. <laughs> One a Pharisee and the other a, collect, a tax collector. Now, these two examples in the Jewish eyes would be extremes because the Pharisees were deemed righteous. They were good people, almost like today, good, faithful Christians. They know the Bible. They pray the right prayers. They do the right things. That must be the good guy of the story, right? Well, they looked at this tax collector. I mean, as they looked at this Pharisee, they turned their eyes, as Jesus says, to the tax collector. And the Jews would regard him as the bad people. Tax collectors were traitors to their, to their citizens because they worked for the Romans and often exploited their authority over fellow Jews to increase their own wealth. So we here we have Jesus painting this picture. Here's what you consider good, and this is what you consider bad. And, and if we just stop right there, it's like, well, good. We put our trust in the same thing that the good person put his trust in, right? And we don't follow the example of the bad people. No, that's why this is a cautionary tale. I want to pose this question that we should ask all ourselves, all of our, all of our own hearts and all about ourselves. What are our, what are our motives this morning? What did we come to do when we came to service? Was it just to sing some beautiful songs? Was it just to hear Will give some elegant prayers and for him to entertain the kids for a few moments? Was it so we could check off the box that I am doing the right things and the good things? Hear me, these are all wonderful things that you are doing, but this isn't what you should be coming today for. So this morning, I want you to ask, why did I come? Am I coming to be seen as good, or am I coming to seek rest and a loving Savior? who says he will vindicate us. He will give us a place to lay our head. Where are you here for this morning? Now getting into the crux of our text, look at 11, verses 11 and 12 with us. It says, the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. Family, uh, Dane Ortland, he once tweeted, our prayer life reveals our actual theology. At this moment, here is this Pharisee coming into the temple, standing before a holy God, and instead of saying, look at your splendor, he says, look at me. I'm so good. Look at his clothes, look at the outfit I got on, look at my life. I got it made. 
like special ed. I got it made. This was such a wonderful thing. He was saying, I am so wonderful and all should exalt me. Mark Henry, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he says he went to the temple to pray, but instead of was full of God, he was full of himself and his own goodness. The favor and grace of God he did not think worth asking. And let us be aware of presenting a proud devotion to the Lord. Family, when we come to the church today, if your prayers are more focused on me and my efforts, your prayers are pointed in the wrong direction. And actually, it also steers your hearts, not just how you think about you, but how you think about others. So if you are a person who don't think you need grace, you're probably hard on passing grace to the person beside you. If you are a person who feel like they don't need to be delivered from anything, you're probably saying, why don't they just do like me and pull themselves out by their bootstraps instead of praying on behalf of someone to seek deliverance? You see, our prayer in life is very telling. And how often do we find ourselves doing this very thing? I do this just so God will be pleased with me. Now, and it plays into every part of our story. I'm going to tell you as a church planner how this plays out in my own life. I'd be like, man, God, I study well. I'm reading the best theology books out there. Look at me, God. I should be killing it right now. The church should be booming. Why are these other churches booming? Look at me. Instead of falling to my own desperate needs, saying, no, God is giving grace to this pastor to present his word, and it's only by his grace that I can preach. So let me pray on behalf of those around me. This is my own heart. I often find myself comparing myself, or as Will taught in the, the New City Catechism, coveting what God is doing in others' lives instead of thanking God for his character and telling others how good he is and also praying to this good God on their behalf. You see, our opinions of ourselves it reflects who we think God is. This man says, I'm not like the other man. I fast, I give. He seemed to see God as a big corporation in which he could put his own stock and block off some stock for himself. How do you view God today? Do you see God as someone who is extending mercy to you? And if you do, then praise God because you'll be able to extend mercy to others. But if you don't think you need mercy, it's hard to see how others can need mercy. Do you see God as a delivering God who will deliver you today? If you don't, it's hard to see how God can deliver others in this church, in this community, in our city. You must first see your desperate need. As Charles Spurgeon famously spoke, he says, you're before the Lord. Let your words be few, but let your heart be fervent. Meaning when you step into the presence of a holy God, when we come and we pray to this holy God, he doesn't need to hear our greatness. He wants us to reflect his greatness back to him. Again, I ask you what I asked at the beginning. When you come today, what did you come to do? Better yet, how are you relying on your works versus what God has extended out to you? 
So here's the major problem. Isaiah said it in his prophecy. He says, all of us have become like something unclean. And all our righteousness acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities carry us away like the wind. In other words, if you come today, don't think, you're thinking you're too good or too clean to need this God to clean you up. It is polluted. It's failing. And it shows the issues of our hearts. Family, you came today. Did you see that God could deliver you and save you today? Did you think that he would welcome you in today? Or did you come thinking, I have to justify myself before this holy God today? Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of Luke, he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of the others. But God knows your heart. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Family, you don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to come in thinking that you can work out this grace and save yourself. So what must we do if our works won't justify us? What must we do if these things don't save? What must you do today? What, how must you pray today to be justified by this holy God? Well, verses 13 and 14. You can look at the tax collector, not the one that they deemed as good, but the one they deemed as the problem, the one they deemed as unworthy. The tax collector was standing far off and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Before we move forward, I just feel this prompting. Maybe you're here today and you feel you're unworthy of grace, that you're unworthy of mercy, that you're unsavable. This wonderful God says, if you come to me broken and contrite, I will come to you. The psalmist says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. The first thing we must do is turn our eyes off of us and upon him. And see, some might hear me say that and say, modern-day readers, Tom Schreiner, he wrote this. He said, modern-day readers, they identify with the tax collector because many of us know our unworthiness. But in our hearts, we still utter this prayer. But thank God I'm not like the Pharisee showing that our heart is still somewhat like the Pharisee. If you are here today thinking you don't deserve and you can't receive mercy, God is saying, come to me. That's the qualifying act, that you are broken and I will give you mercy. If you are here today and you say, yeah, I need mercy, but thank God I ain't just as bad as these other people. He's saying, humble yourself and come to me. That's the qualifying fact. If you would turn away from your sins of your own efforts and throw yourself into his loving hands where he can save you, that's where our hope resides. Even Jesus says, he said, I tell you, this one 
the one who pounded his chest, cried out to God for mercy. This one went down to his house justified rather than the other who was so full of himself. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now we have a conundrum. How can the one who humbles himself get exalted and the one who exalts himself get humbled? Because the one who actually didn't need to humble himself humbled himself. The, the one who actually had the right to stand in the face of God because he'd been in the face of God for all of eternity said, Father, I see what they've done, but look upon me. To turn away and turn your eyes from their sins and look at me because I have washed them with my blood and my grace. The one who deserved to exalt himself humbled himself. He laid himself down. He came to earth. He lived the perfect life. He came from glory, came into our horrible stories, lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserve, and our sins were acquitted to him, meaning they were taken off of us, placed on him, and everyone that put our hopes in him and where our sins have been placed can now find hope in him. But not only did they go to the cross, but they went to the grave. And when they went to the grave, that is now where they lay. But we can say we have a Savior who is not laying in a grave, but he rose out of the grave and took life into his right hand. And all power and life is in him now. And we can trust that our life is fulfilled in him. You see, the Pharisees and the tax collector both had a problem. The Pharisee was too full of himself. The tax collector felt so unworthy, but both needed to take them eye, their eyes off of themselves and turn their eyes upon him who would make them worthy. Family, I'm, I'm coming to you today. Say, so take your eyes off of you. Your works won't save you. How good you are won't save you. Comparing yourself to your neighbor won't save you. And for those who already say, I, I know I'm terrible, I know I'm bad, your unworthiness won't save you. Your brokenness won't make you whole, but there was one who was broken so that we can both be made whole. We would just trust in him. Jesus was giving this parable to tell us, hey, our trust has all been laid in the wrong places. Our, our hope has been put in the wrong things. But for those who have put their hope in me, they have true hope. So to help you remember this, the, the hymn writer, he wrote, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Family, will you turn your eyes upon the one who will save you and give you true hope when you turn your eyes to him? You would never say, I have to work good enough to be before him because he said, no, I make you good to be before me. 
and your brokenness, you can never say, I'm too broken to be before him because he says, no, if you look at me and trust in me and come to me, I will mend your brokenness and make you worthy to be before us. Both of these men cried out to a holy God with a wrong heart, but there is one who prays on our behalf who has a real holy, a holy heart First for the Father, and secondly, so that we can be holy through his prayers and through his works. Will you trust in Jesus today? Will you look to him today? Will you take this cautionary tale of trust and say, I will not trust in my efforts, but I will trust in the work that's been done on my behalf. Will you turn your eyes upon him and him alone? And the next few moments... One of the ways we turn our eyes upon him is in our, our, our seeing, our looking towards the communion table to remember what's been done on our behalf and how it represents how his body was broken, his blood was shed, and we've been made pure. But the only ones who can come to that table are those who have put their trust in him and given up the lie of trusting in your works. So as you turn your eyes today, I will pray that you would question your heart. Do I trust him? Do I love him? And you will put your hope that he will make you worthy because he does love you. He does trust you. Will you pray with me? Father, as we turn our eyes to your son this morning, Lord, I pray that we would stop foolishly putting our trust in our works and our efforts, but that we would faithfully put our trust in the efforts that your son has laid out for us. That you would help us all examine our hearts to turn our eyes and be made holy and pure in your sights, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have sent to be done on our behalf. I pray for your people today that heard your word, that they, you would draw them unto yourself and that you would make them whole. I pray for those who may reject your word today, that you would soften their hearts and help them to see you as holy and beautiful and worthy of laying all of your trust in. Lord, as we turn our eyes to you, I pray that we will see you high and lifted up this morning, and we will worship you with pure hands and pure hearts. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.